Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. The church is to testify about Jesus, to spread the gospel as far and wide as possible, and to bring people from every tribe, nation, and language into a relationship with the Lord, into a place where they worship and they serve. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the Gospel of John. Join us as Pastor Brian begins his teaching on John chapter 16, verses 8 through 11, in a message titled, The Holy Spirit's Work in the World. Now, here's Pastor Brian. All right, so we are here once again in John's Gospel in these chapters that we've we've kind of been camping out in them a little bit. Maybe you remember, I kind of did an overview of 14 through 16 and focused in on the passages that, that have to do with the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And as I pointed out, This is the most in-depth teaching of Jesus on the person and and the work of the Spirit. Coming back today now to chapter 16, we're going to spend today and next Sunday looking at portions of this uh, 16th chapter. So we're going to zero in today on verses 7 through 11. And we've already looked at these verses, but we also uh, were looking at the other four verses about the Spirit, so we weren't able to give the kind of focus that we're going to give to the passage today. But let me just remind you, the context here is this is the last time Jesus is going to be with his disciples and instructing them before he goes to the cross. And so his objective really is to comfort them, to encourage them, and to let them know, even though he's going away, he's not going to abandon them. But as he tells them here, he is going to send them another helper. He's going to send them a helper to fulfill the mission that he is giving to them. And that mission is, as he said, you will testify of me. So that really is the mission of the church. It was the mission given to them, and it's the mission that has passed on to us. Uh, The church is to testify about Jesus to spread the gospel as far and wide as possible, and to bring people from every tribe, nation, and language into a relationship with the Lord, into a place where they worship and they serve him. That, that's the mission he gives them. And he's going to then encourage them with the fact that they're not going to do this alone. 
they're not going to be left to their own resources, but they're going to be enabled by this one that he calls the helper or the advocate. So let me read just real quickly verses 7 through 11 again. But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate or the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment, about sin because people do not believe in me, about righteousness because I go to the Father where you can see me no longer, and about judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. So you're going to testify of me. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit and he is going to convict the world of these things. Now, when we think about this mission of getting the gospel to people, you know, it's a little bit daunting when you really stop and think about it. In some ways, it seems insurmountable. And the reason it seems that way is because we are tasked with proclaiming a message that, quite honestly, most people do not want to hear. So, you know, sometimes I I kind of, in my conversations with the Lord, I feel like, you know, Lord, you kind of, you, you sort of want us to fight with both hands tied behind our back. You know, we've got, um, we've got a message that is unpopular, and we've got people that just do not care to hear it. That is a challenge. I think we would all agree that that is a challenge. Because, of course, the message is a message to people that they are lost, that they are condemned, that they are incapable through their own efforts of doing anything to alter that. This is downright offensive to people. And so this is our objective. Our ultimate task is to explain to someone that they are a sinner in need of a savior when they don't see that to be the case at all. Now, I said our our um, our task is to ultimately explain that to someone. And I say ultimately intentionally because I don't think that we necessarily lead with that. In other words, I don't recommend that you go out today and maybe you're going to go to uh, have lunch at the restaurant or something. And when the waiter comes at the table, I don't recommend that you say, hey, did you know that you're a sinner and that you're condemned and that uh, you can't do anything to save yourself? I don't recommend that we lead like that. But ultimately, if anybody's going to come to Jesus, they're going to have to face this reality that I am lost and sinful and I can't save myself. If you are saved here today, you came to that conclusion. But here's the truth. You did not come to that conclusion on your own. The Holy Spirit actually did something to convince you of that. And so that's, that's the good news for us, that we're not, we're not alone in this. And this is the way it has always been. Listen to the words of the Apostle Paul. 
Paul writes this letter to the church in the city of Corinth, and he's just reminding them of his own experience. He says, Jews demand signs, Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. That is the reality today, right? It's a stumbling block to people. It's foolishness to people. But this is what we've been called to. So how does the gospel break through this kind of blindness and hardness and resistance that is characteristic of every single person? See, every person has this. It's not just some people. Everyone has within them this, just this automatic resistance. I, I w- heard the story of C. Everett Koop. Some of you who are like my age would know that name. He was formerly the uh, Sur- Surgeon General of the United States. And he was known in his role as a Surgeon General. He was known as, as being a Christian. But I heard his story about how he became a Christian. And he became a Christian at uh, 10th Avenue Presbyterian Church in Philadelphia. He went to the church simply because he had some sort of religious background and thought he probably ought to go to church. He didn't go to church because... I love Jesus, and I want to know him better. He went sort of out of religious duty. And he describes how for one year, week after week, he sat. And every time the preacher got up to preach, his name was Donald Gray Barnhouse. Every time Barnhouse preached, Coop sat there and argued in his mind with him. That's ridiculous. Why did he say that? I don't believe that. That's stupid. Nobody thinks that way. Sound familiar? I mean, this is what happens, right? We resist. We come up with reasons why we shouldn't believe that. Reasons why that doesn't really apply to me. I used to come to this church before I was a Christian, occasionally. Truth be told, I was looking for a nice girl. Because I heard there were cute Nice girls here. So I thought, okay, I'll check it out. And I remember they would give an invitation to come and receive Jesus. And I can tell you, I would just sit there and argue with the person up here about all the reasons why I did not need to do that. And then I would go on my merry way and still think about it. Yeah, that's stupid. The guy said that. I mean, what is he? Why did, why did he say? Doesn't he know? And all of those kinds of things. So this is, this is our natural response but so here's the question, how does, how does the gospel break through that? Well, the answer is right here, I will send the helper to you, and when he comes, he will convict the world of sin, of righteousness and judgment. It's through the Holy Spirit that this happens. Now, as I already said, we looked at this passage a few weeks ago, but we just um, weren't able to spend too much time on it. 
But when we looked at it, I said that there are two ways the Holy Spirit does this. We talked about the Spirit does these things independent sometimes of any human instrumentation. The Spirit just begins to work in, in an in, invisibly in somebody. That's one way. And I said the other way is that the Spirit uses His people through preaching, telling, showing, and praying. So what I want to focus on today, I think we focused a little bit more on the, um, the Spirit, sort of that mysterious work of the Spirit, but today I want to focus a little bit more on, on the work of the Spirit through the church. Because what we're going to see is that this is the way. How does the Spirit convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment? He does it through the telling of the message. Maybe you remember we talked a little bit a while back, maybe, maybe not. It was the first of the year. Uh, we talked about preaching and telling. And I said that all Christians, every single Christian is called to tell the story. Not every Christian is called to preach in the sense of, you know, having a platform and getting up to an audience and proclaiming. Some people are called to do that. But the majority of Christians are called to tell the story. And it's through preaching and telling the story that the gospel advances. So we're going to put the emphasis on that in a moment. But first, Let's look at what Jesus said the Spirit does in the world. The Spirit proves the world wrong or convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Uh, Frederick Dale Bruner is a theologian and a Bible commentator. Uh, Bible commentator. He wrote a great commentary on the Gospel of John. He put it this way, and I thought it was kind of clever the way he put it. He said, what's being described here is the world is wrong about what is wrong. The Spirit is going to prove that the world is wrong about what is wrong, that the world is wrong about what is right, and that the world is wrong about who wins. So the world is wrong about what is wrong. Simply, the world thinks that this is the problem. The Holy Spirit says, no, this is the problem. The world thinks this is right. The world says no, or the the Holy Spirit says no, this is right. And the world thinks that this is how it's all going to end. And the Holy Spirit says no, this is how it's all going to end. Now, the world, he will convict the world. Remember uh, last time Char talked to us about the world, how we need to understand through the context, we need to understand what world is he talking about? And the, the definition for the world here is that mass of humanity that resist and oppose the rule and reign of God in the earth. So we're not talking about the world in the material sense, but we're talking about the spirit of the world that emanates from the people in the world in uh, opposition to God. So going with uh, Bruner's sort of points here, uh, the world is wrong about what is wrong. So 
what is wrong in the world? That's the question. What is wrong in the world? Now, all of us think that there are many wrong and evil realities in the world, and we could each make a rather long list of them. Isn't that true? If I just said, okay, we're going to take the next five minutes, and we're going to hand you a pencil and a, and a sheet of paper, and I want you just to write down a list of things that are wrong. All of us could come up with things that we would consider to be wrong. And our list would not be wrong. All the wrongs would surely be wrong indeed. But at the root of all those wrongs, there is an even greater wrong, and that is the world's refusal to believe in Jesus. So Jesus says that the Spirit is going to convict the world of sin because they do not believe in me. So there are all kinds of things that are wrong, but Jesus says this is the ultimate wrong. This is at the root of all else that is wrong. But some would, some would question, well, is, is that really true? Could that really be the case? Well, Jesus said it's the case. And think about this. If, we, if Jesus really is who John's gospel records him to be, who does John's gospel record him to be? John's gospel tells us that he is God. He's the great God on a personal visit to the earth. That's who Jesus is. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, John 1.14. So if that is true, then the refusal to believe this greatest of all realities would in fact be the greatest of all wrongs. See, this is the greatest of all realities. But isn't it amazing that the greatest of all realities is completely marginalized by the vast majority of people in the world? I mean, if you were to ask somebody, like, what, you know, what is the greatest wrong in the world? Nobody would say, oh, it's the rejection of Jesus. But that is what it is. Jesus said, that's what it is. Now, in connection to that, in the end, people will die and be judged and be sent to hell. In the end, that will happen. But they will not be sent to hell for the sins they have committed. Although they will factor into their judgment, people will perish for refusing to put their trust in the Son of God. That will be the, the sin that condemns people. The refusal to put their trust in the Son of God. And the Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin. The Holy Spirit's primary task is to awaken people to their need for Jesus. That's what the Holy Spirit is primarily doing in relation to the world. Now, the second thing, the world is wrong about what is right. So Bruner means by this, so the world has its standard of what's right. The world says this is right. This is the ultimate right. But the Holy Spirit has a different standard. What is right according to Jesus, and this is what the Spirit is convicting people of, 
is a life of perfect obedience to the Father's will. This is the ultimate right. And Jesus is actually, he's living this out. And that's why it says that the the Spirit will convict the world of righteousness. Jesus says, because I go to the Father, meaning either I go to the Father in the sense of I'm going to the cross, which is my ultimate act of obedience to the Father, or I go to the Father, meaning I go to the cross and the resurrection and back to the Father, which means that the Father is receiving my righteousness, and it's through my righteousness I'm able to access God. And it probably actually means both of those things. But here we know that the world puts very little importance on obedience to God. Very little importance on obedience to God. According to the world, and I would contextualize that to say this present moment in this place in the Western world, what is the most right thing anybody can do? Well, in our context, the most right thing anybody can do is be true to themselves. That's what's being pushed in the culture today. That's what's being emphasized. That's what's being demanded, that everyone is able to determine who they are and then express who they are, however they determine who or what they are. And anybody who resists that or questions that even, that's evil. That's, that's terrible. So this is the great right. This is the great righteousness in our present cultural moment. But the world is wrong about what is right. It's not... The great right is not to discover and express myself. The great right is to submit myself to the one who made me and the one who died for me. And then thirdly, the world is wrong about who wins. The world is wrong about who wins. The world, and, and in this, I would just say the world is wrong about the, the, the future. The world is wrong about the past. Whenever I hear people pontificating about the billions and billions of years and such and such and this and that and the other thing happened then, I just think that is just, I I can't hardly stand hearing that. But people also talk about the future in those kinds of ways. Well, this is where it's all headed and this is where it's going to go and this is going to happen here and this nation's going to do this and and everybody's sort of got it all planned out and mapped out and this is what it's going to look like. A million years from now? Well, the Holy Spirit convicts the world of judgment. The Holy Spirit convicts the world of the fact that your plan is dead in the water. Your your plan isn't going, even though you might think it is. Convict the world of judgment. In life, Brunner said this, in life, it all too often looks as if the ruler of this world, the devil, wins the good versus evil contest in the world. From the cross, through the Holocaust, to the contemporary violence, corruption, and sleaze.
the month of June, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled, Can Science Explain Everything? by Dr. John Lennox. Our current culture sometimes gives the impression that science has disproved the existence of God. But Dr. John Lennox argues that this is hardly the case. In a clear and simple writing style, Dr. John Lennox presents evidence that science not only fails in disproving the existence of God, but also shows how science and God are compatible. He also tackles the myth that religion depends on faith, but science does not, and that science depends on reason, but Christianity does not. Dr. Lennox also offers a way to scientifically disprove Christianity, but is unable to do so because of the overwhelming evidence. If you want to understand the relationship between science and God, or if you know a person who thinks science and God are mutually exclusive, then you need to get this month's resource from Back to Basics. The book Can Science Explain Everything by Dr. John Lennox is our gift to say thank you for your donation to Back to Basics. So we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the Gospel of John. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.